Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Dustin Levy, joined by Alex Martin. We are without Dan DeLuca this week, but he will be rejoining us next week. Alex, uh, the regular season is over. How excited are you to, to get into the playoff time? Well, it's going to be a week by week basis for a lot of these teams. You know, they're going to be some are going to be fighting to stay alive. Um, some have high aspirations. Three of them have top seeds in, in their respective regions, but we saw one of those top seeds go down last year. Um, you were at that game, obviously, Plantation Dunbar. So the playoffs tells you anything can happen. And, you know, that was just one game. Could we see a couple upsets this year? I think so. Um, but we'll have to uh, wait f- till the results play out on, on Friday. Before we get into all that, let's talk about some of these games from Week 11. A lot of districts were determined i would love to say this regular season flew by but it did not we had a whole hurricane in the middle of it but the regular season's finales um were all held last friday and the game i covered dunbar fort myers to determine the district was um you know small sample size i have not not been here for too long but it was definitely one of the best games i've covered certainly the best comeback i've ever seen uh with fort myers leading 21 to seven with about five minutes left to go and Dunbar I mean something about that team uh, has something supernatural going on because uh, they they just can't be beat uh, by another Lee County school that's uh, two straight years where they have not lost to another Florida team in the regular season it's it's pretty uh, astounding and every time they need to make a play they made it their defense was not having their best game their offense was not having their best game but you know they stepped up when it mattered uh landon winterbottom started hitting tj abrams hitting anthony benjamin and they were kind of reeling off these drives and it's hard to say that fort myers did much wrong they had a, a chance to possibly go for a field goal it was kind of long they they opted to go for it you know but they had a, a 14 point lead that their defense had a chance to protect obviously that game went into overtime head coach of the Tigers, Sammy Brown, uh, took a gamble, went for two points. Uh, they converted on a Javian Stevens rush. Uh, Fort Myers also scored, but uh, their two-point try came up short. But uh, the first edition of the Edison Quarter Showdown was definitely a memorable one. Alex, uh, wh- which of these uh, district games uh, where, where a title was awarded stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, there weren't many, obviously. It was uh, Dunbar-Fort Myers was one. Verro-Key West was just a, uh, I mean, even if Verro lost, they were probably still looking at a district championship. But obviously those were the only two games uh, with implications. Um, North-Fort Myers handled their business against Cape Coral. You know, but obviously it's got to be Dunbar-Fort Myers. And, and I think we expected not as close of a game here, really. I think the Tigers were very solid in, in just the areas where they needed to be, you know, entering the season and whatnot. And, and we had questions about Fort Myers and quarterback play and winning the line of scrimmage. Um, it seemed like they did pretty well on the ground Friday night. You know, Ricardo Noel, Madrid Tucker, 
this has been an ongoing problem for the past, you know, what, 15 games over the past two years. It had been a struggle for Fort Myers to get their ground game going. Um, but it seemed like they may have turned a corner here. Maybe it's a silver lining going into postseason play. They did a really good job, ironically, chewing the clock in this game and having these very, very long drives based on the running game. Um, but it was just Dunbar's ability to, you know, have this kind of quick strike uh, ball that they do. And, you know, I- I've seen it before in the season. In, in two-minute drills, they're just a different offense and it's just incredibly impressive i mean we, we saw it a season ago you know the the south Fort myers game for example just them pulling out plays when they need it and it's really really incredible how they can just keep believing no matter what the score says no matter you know there was a, a fourth and long and Winterbottom, he kind of overthrew tj abrams and but anthony benjamin came up with the pass and that was probably the play of the game yeah without a doubt and uh, funny to see that play, uh, just how it developed and whatnot. Uh, right place, right time, without a doubt. You know, the other team that locked up a district title Friday night down in the Keys, I guess a little bit of a party for the Vikings, um, had T-shirts pre-made and everything. 48-14 over the Conks. Uh, Carter Smith, once again, with a pretty solid game. Six total touchdowns, I think, for him. Uh, just continues to career high. Yeah, career high and continues to kind of just lead this race for um, you know, offensive player of the year. He just won FACA uh, District 18 player of the year. Um, he seems to be doing big things. And, you know, Dustin, you got uh, some feature coming up on him, a potential record breaker here in a couple weeks. Absolutely. He is doing a lot of big things, a lot of special things, and uh, there are going to possibly be some records that fall. Uh, another team that had a big offensive outing on Friday night was ECS uh, beating CSN 67 41. Tanner Helton threw five touchdown passes. LJ Blackwell ran for five touchdowns and 282 yards. I think that was a school record. Uh, this team has way surpassed expectations in, in Mac Mitchell's first year um, going into the postseason undefeated. Mind you, I know we're inching towards winter sports. That is not a basketball game. That was not that was not Scott Guttery beating Greg Donahue by what 26 points if my math is correct you know that that was not a basketball game even though we're getting into that season Uh, that was a football game you know Mac Mitchell's team hangs 67 um, their largest output of the year but they also allow 41 which is their largest output of the year Um, so maybe yeah they put up 67 huge you know they're going to need to do that against a team like First Baptist when they see them if they see them they're definitely going to need to stay in that one offensively um but the defense it's ever since that canterbury game you know kind of some struggles here and there definitely some things to work on but they've got an extra week to prepare the teams in 1s are not playing this friday it is straight regional semis regional finals there's no quarters in these new classifications like it or not so they'll be taking on Moorhaven next week uh that is a rematch as is csn first baptist they had just played uh, two weeks ago, FBA won that one handily, 42 to nothing. Another standout result I wanted to get to, uh, Laley 2017 over Immokalee, and Laley has just had a really, really good stretch these past few games. Um, what, what are you seeing from the Trojans? They really have, and it, and it starts with the quarterback play. Jakeem Tantalus, ever since making the switch uh, from wide receiver, I think he was a slot receiver last year, they just seem to have it going with him and Gershom Gurrier in the backfield. 
just solid ground game. They're just pounding it at teams right now. And um, this is their sixth win in their last seven, that loss coming to Naples. Um, but we probably had them written off that they weren't going to be in the playoffs, and now they are. They're doing pretty solid defensively. They seem to have make, made some adjustments. One of the teams that has really risen up uh, after Ian, obviously, um, was Laley and J.J. Everidge, and obviously they had that little, like, a scandal you wrote about or just, you know, that news that came across um, with an assistant coach. They seem to have, uh, you know, that's not phasing them either. You know, it's typically something that may phase a team or may put a team in the wrong direction, but they're winning, and, you know, another another loss that bites Immokalee here, uh, they, who knows, they, if they win that game, Maybe they're in just with the way things played out in 4S. Um, Riverdale barely got in. Uh, they only got in by three spots over Lakewood Ranch in the state rankings. Um, so definitely uh, some, you know, what ifs uh, out at Immokalee. You know, what if this would have happened? Or, you know, what if that fumble didn't happen in the district championship game? And, um, you know, definitely a season that Immokalee could have gone to the playoffs. And I think they just use this as motivation for next year. I think they're going to be really solid. Absolutely. A lot of progress for a team that had an independent schedule last season. Um, some other results I wanted to shout out. Uh, Gateway Charter debuting their brand new turf field, uh, winning the SSAC championship against Harvest Community 35-14. Uh, that's a really good note for them to end their season. Um, and Gateway beating Eastley 20 nothing, the first shutout in school history for Gateway. Um, it was a great performance by their defense. And for senior Dylan Alif's last career game, whose first three catches went for touchdowns. So that was uh, that was cool to see last Thursday. Uh, Alex, anything else uh, you want to, to shout out? Uh, Lehigh uh, seems to be doing what they need to do. 41 nothing. Um, they seem to have built off their first game since the hurricane. It was a much closer than expected game against Charlotte. Uh, they seem to have turned a corner there. Um, you know, another solid game uh, for the Lightning, especially on the defensive side. You know, Richard didn't play much in this game. He didn't need to. But without a doubt, Lehigh's, uh, they're going to have a pretty tough uh, first-round op- opponent in uh, in 4S. Should be an interesting one to watch. It's a four-versus-five game. Uh, two district champions going up against one another. They'll be on the road, but they've grown a lot since uh, – the last time they went into the Sarasota-Bradenton area, which was a close loss to Riverview. Another team with a, a lot of momentum heading into the postseason is going to be North Fort Myers. They haven't lost since week two. Uh, Bo Somerset has 11 touchdowns on the season. Um, they're doing well. It's going to be interesting to see them really tested against Baron Collier. But we're going to get into all these games in a bit after this break. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back, and before we get into all of Friday night's game, let, let's break down some of these brackets, um, starting with our 4S Region 4 schools. Uh, that includes schools like Riverdale, Gulf Coast, Lehigh. Um, Alex, what did you see when this bracket came out? Interesting, uh, especially between the 3 and the 4, that's uh, Manatee and Palmetto. Oddly enough, Palmetto did win the district championship over Manatee, but they remain behind 
uh, Manatee in the rankings. They are third. Palmetto is fourth. And, um, you know, that's big for Lehigh because if it was Manatee, they would be hosting them in a 5-4 game that's new with the new FHSA rules this year where if a district, a lower-seeded district champion faces a higher-seeded at-large in the first round, that district champion would host regardless. Um, so hypothetically, you could have an eight-seeded district champion playing a, uh, a one-seeded at-large that, you know, maybe they just you know, somehow lost a district championship uh, but had a really good schedule um, they would host in that situation. But... Um, but yeah, Gulf Coast has got the two seed. They've got a pretty tough draw here against a Riverview team that is three and six, but they're much better than that record indicates. Um, you've got Riverdale, who is facing the unfortunate uh, reality of going up and playing Venice. So that's, you know, definitely the Raiders are going to be dogs there. Um, there's no debating that really. But yeah, it's going to be a tough draw. I think Venice is the favorite uh, regardless here. Gulf Coast being the two seed. You know, maybe they get two playoff games. You know, we'll see. Um, but definitely a, a, a tough draw for one of our local teams to get out of. Between Gulf Coast and Lehigh, which team do you think has a better chance to make a run? Oh, man. It, obviously, you know, you kind of have to say Gulf Coast because they're on the opposite end of the bracket with Venice. But Lehigh's got <laughs> Richard Young. Um, so I think Lehigh could beat Palmetto, but obviously Venice is going to be a tall order. Gulf Coast is facing a very talented Riverview team. Uh, I'm going to lean the Sharks here just because they don't have Venice on their side of the bracket. You know, we've seen crazy things happen in the playoffs, and anything can happen. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to see how Gulf Coast performs. Definitely not the best two seed of all the uh, teams that we've got in the area. Um, but I think it's good enough to maybe get to a regional final. Going to the bracket that is filled with our local teams, Class 3S Region 4, that has Naples, that has Dunbar, North Fort Myers, Fort Myers, Baron Collier, and Laley. How good do you feel about the Golden Eagles' chances here? It's really interesting because obviously they're going to blow out Braden River in the first round, right? It's you know it's a one-versus-eight matchup. It's primed to happen. Um, the perspective matchup between Port Charlotte and Naples is one that I'm very curious to see because Port Charlotte... Their strength is the trenches. They're really good on both ends of the ball, uh, defensive line, offensive line, and they go tempo. And that's something that Naples hasn't really seen much of, if at all, this year, seeing teams snap plays within 15 seconds, 20 seconds, kind of getting them on their heels. I'd be very curious to see that matchup if it does happen. Um, I think if we see Fort Myers-Naples, it's going to be a tall order for the Green Wave. But Definitely, I, th- I think Port Charlotte could be one of those spoilers here, but I, I would still have Naples as as some sort of a favorite. Dunbar's another team that I'm keeping an eye on because they're playing a red-hot Laley team. They kind of missed expectations last year when they lost in the first round. Um, Laley, you know, if I had to pick a first-round upset of any of these, I think it would be Laley over Dunbar. Do I think it's going to happen? Maybe not. I don't know if Laley can hang around with that Dunbar team for that long. But um, I think of the lower seeds, I think they would have the best chance at an upset. And then there's a team on a five-game winning streak in North Fort Myers, and maybe they just haven't been tested for a while, but they're, they're putting up terrific score lines. So it, it's hard to count that team out. Um, you know, the, the injury to Jane Jones is obviously a tough one, but, I mean, that, that team has really looked good all year, even in – you know, that loss to Dunbar. They, they just did it without him, and they've been doing this for the past few weeks without him. They've had, what, four shutouts? 
Um, they've allowed 34 points all year. That's an average of 4.85 points per game. It's That's rid- incredible. It's a ridiculous number, and they've only allowed seven points across their last five games. Obviously not against the greatest of competition, um, but they did shut out South Fort Myers. They did shut out Lemon Bay. So definitely uh, the Red Knights are, are playing really solid defensively, and um, you know they're going to need that in in the postseason when they might have to play Dunbar again, or if they get past Dunbar, they have to play Naples, or you know those games that defense is going to have to step up. And we did have a regional final between North and in uh, Naples. Remember the past couple of games, the Red Knights have kept it pretty close and kept it low scoring. So maybe we see that again. Maybe we don't. But you know we got we got to get through one week first. <laughs> Yeah, and just want to shout out the season Adrian Stone is having, uh, leading the team in tackles with 48 tackles for loss with seven in sacks. is delivered as a transfer coming in there. Without question. He's one who's been huge for them. And, you know, him and Tavares Irons are, are Dunbar transfers. They are first and third in tackles. Um, they, they've been solid all year. You know, this is a team that, yeah, they don't really have a ton of a secondary. It's kind of been you know ho-hum here and there but they've really risen a couple years ago bishop road the no-name defense um north fort myers has a secondary that has really stepped up santino arroyo has two picks as do daniel newson and in both somerset and then you got rashad snow and rontrez johnson uh, ironically johnson's a linebacker defensive guy uh, on the defensive front they both have one pick um, and then they've got a ton of fumble recoveries Sion gordon's got three Arroyo's got another. Newson and Irons both have one apiece, among others. Definitely a defense that's just kind of just been under the radar this year. And, you know, that Fort Myers game, despite it being kind of broken up into, I guess, two games, if you want to call it, um, that Fort Myers win is starting to look really good again. Yeah, a lot of speed on both sides of the ball over at North. Uh, moving to Class 2S Region 4. Bishop Rowe is the top seed. Astero, uh, even after an 8-1 season, they'll be going on the road to play DeSoto County. Uh, do you like this bracket for the Vikings? Yeah, I think their regional championship game will be the, in the regional semifinals against Clewiston. Um, I think that of the three games that they're likely to play in the regional tournament, I think that uh, game against Clewiston will be the closest. They've turned a corner. Um, Verro's obviously the, still the clear favorite to get out of the region. But, you know, whether it's Estero or Frostproof or, Met, heck, maybe even Sarasota Booker, that's a team to keep an eye on uh, as a seven seed that could knock off Frostproof and then Estero. Definitely feels like, you know, the regional championship game, quote-unquote, is going to be in the regional semifinal. Um, Carter Smith and company, they've been averaging ridiculous amounts of points per game this season. Um, and we usually don't talk about offense winning out, but, you know, in these types of games, you know, obviously they're not facing the level of competition like FBA or, uh, or Dunbar, but they, they've scored 385 points in nine games, which comes out to an average of 42.7 points per game, which is nuts. They've eclipsed 50-plus in three games this year, uh, and they, they're primed to do it here against Mulberry in the first round. It's just... Uh, they're going to be too tough to overcome for the Panthers. And shout out to uh, Estero for rebounding from basically what was a district championship game, uh, winning their Jaws versus Claws game against Benita Springs, 35-17. Um, Benita is is always a handful to deal with, but uh, and and you know they have a chance uh, for a road upset for a playoff win that I, I know would mean a lot to them. Without question, and, and this is a team that 
they've definitely done a solid job replacing the pieces that they needed to replace. Um, obviously, Jason Ducona's back and Matt Wilson's back for another year, but they, they lost a 1,000-yard rusher in Kendrick Agenor and, and another more handful of pieces like Kirk Talley, who kind of did a little bit of everything for them last year. They've seemed to have uh, weathered those losses, I guess, if you want to call it that, and uh, we'll have to see what they do here. You know, Could they be on upset alert in the first round against DeSoto? Perhaps. You know, DeSoto is a district champ. That game will be on the road for Estero, despite them being a three seed. So, uh, so we'll have to wait and see what comes of that game. And Estero's defense is going to have to uh, close out and, and win a couple drives and force a couple three and outs to uh, to stay in contention there. And, you know, the offense and Ducona are going to have to click. And, of course, we have Class 1S Region 4, which has CSN, First Baptist, and ECS, but they are not playing this Friday. So we will dig into that a little bit more next week. Alex, looking at all these playoff games which are you anticipating the most yeah i mean of the most competitive i mean it's going to be in 3s i think looking at baron collier north fort myers uh fort myers and port charlotte's another one that i'm kind of eyeing because that's going to be a big four five game um you know another game i'm really kind of keeping close tabs on is uh riverview gulf coast because i think that's a game where we can maybe see a few things happen um, Riverview is much better than than their record indicates, as I kind of mentioned earlier. If we want to talk about the one bowl game um, that's taking place, Ida Baker, Cape Coral, uh, that's a game we'll be picking here in the next segment. But um, yeah, I think the three S games, the two the two verse seven, the three verse six, and the four verse five are the ones that are probably of most interest uh, to the general public in terms of what to expect and um, potential shakeups there as well. Going back to the Sharks, um, what's it going to mean to this team if they are able to, to get the playoff win? It'd be their first in program history. They have yet to win a playoff game. Uh, just looking at the archives, uh, they just secured their first eight-win season. You know, the, Their highest win total in a season was seven. Uh, they got eight this year at a minimum. They can ex- extend that to nine, but it would be huge for this group of seniors. And, and what Todd Nichols has done in the past three seasons when he took over it was obviously gulf coast they weren't in a situation where they were losing you know two and they had two and seven records or one and eight or or oh and nine they were a 500 team when when he took over and tom scalise stepped down um but they've definitely made strides and it's just a testament to kids not really leaving and staying with the program and staying with the process um and just seeing that translate into success this year and you know not to discredit it but they could have been eight and one too it just shows you how good this team it really was this year and and they gave naples um one heck of a preseason game even though it was 31 to 7 um they, they played them close they they had a good showing there i think for the first game of the season uh, albeit it was preseason but um you know they've done a lot of big things this year and it just uh goes to show you that you can trust the process and you don't need to overhaul something within one or two years yeah and the, the thing that kind of stands out to me is that you know these past few weeks where they've kind of gridded out these these important wins they haven't necessarily played their best but you know they're no. winning and that's that's what's most important at the end of the day the scoreboard um another team that has done that is lehigh it hasn't didn't have the best start to the season but you know they're they're in position to to potentially um upset palmetto on the road yeah, and getting back to uh, Gulf Coast, I mean, they've won those one-score games, too, even though they only had 
Um, you know, they only had one. They they really gritted out a win against Immokalee. Um Chris Jimenez and Evan Hermanson just play, had such a big part to do with that. Um, Jimenez is just playing lights out defensively. He's among the team leaders in tackles. You know, he, he's got 83 tackles, leads the team. He's got nine tackles for loss. He's got six sacks, and he's got five interceptions. This is a linebacker who's got five picks, and that's just a crazy statistic to see. Um, from the linebacker spot, he's got a pair of forced fumbles. He's recovered one. Um, just an all-around great season for that kid. And, you know, he's a junior, too, and I don't even think football is his primary sport. I think his number one sport's basketball, funny enough. So, uh, you know, just a cool story to see. But definitely uh, the Sharks have been pretty dominant in a lot of their wins this year. Moorhaven was one where they won by, what, 31? Or, no, 21, I think. Um, Baron Colliers won where they won by three scores. They dominated a team, a West Broward team uh, that has a wide receiver with a couple power five offers. Palmetto Ridge, obviously, there was no surprise there. Um, and then they had that little stretch against Roe Golden Gate. Connor Barrett not being available in the second half for that Golden Gate game, you know, that probably was costly. Um, but th- this team has shown that they can win and they can compete in these types of games. Uh, they beat Port Charlotte by 11, so... Um, may, they could be in good shape here to go into the postseason, um, even though they haven't played their best ball, and Todd Nichols wouldn't be afraid to admit that. And we're going to be getting into these games and breaking them down uh, when we make our picks after this break. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Go? All right, and welcome back. It is picks time. Uh, we got 10 games, fortunately, on the docket this week, so we can kind of hold that uh, that 10 game number between the playoffs and our one bowl game between Ida Baker and Cape. So we'll start it off with that bowl game. The Bulldogs will be going to Cape Coral. A decent chance for Cape to try and salvage their season in Larry Gary's one-off as head coach. Do they get that here? I don't think so. I, I think it'll be a good game, a fun game. Um, you know, a bowl game, you know, it's, it's always going to be a chance for kids to show out and, uh, even in the loss I saw from from Baker to Riverdale, that was coming off of um, Ian, obviously. But they showed a lot of good stuff, so I'm going to take the Bulldogs. Yeah, Dan DeLuca, who is in St. Lucia right now, um, very envious of that. He went with Cape, um, and I could see it. I mean, we've seen even. I mean, you can't really compare college with high school, but you see a lot of those bowl games where kids opt out and, and you know for the draft and whatnot. And there's just a little incentive for the favored team to really play in the game you know maybe they just missed out on on a playoff but i'm gonna take baker uh, to, to split the decision i think they're just due and i think it would be a proper way to close out their year given what they had uh, gone through with losing their field and all those sorts of things so i'm gonna take the bulldogs um next game up we're going to playoffs uh riverdale is going to venice definitely a game where riverdale is going to be a, an underdog dustin um, imagine you're on Venice here. Yes, I'm taking Venice. Um, still a really, really strong season in Coach Hepler's first year, and re- really good seasons uh, from Terry Jackson, from AJ Baxter, from Jaheem Clark. Uh, they did a lot of good stuff this year, but I think 
it will uh, come to an end on Friday against Venice. Yeah, it's uh, going up and playing there is hard in and of, a, in and of itself. You know, going up there in, in, on a two-game losing streak and in, in a game where, let's face it, they look terrible in a 48, what, seven loss to to Charlotte. Um, Venice should win handily here. Um, Dan is also on the Indians to win. But next up, we'll, we'll shift to that Riverview Gulf Coast game we've been talking about for a while. Dustin, your thoughts here? This is a tough one. I've seen that Riverview team. Um, they have given Lehigh a bunch of trouble the last couple of years. But I, I'm going to go with the Sharks to win their first playoff game. I know that fan base, uh, they travel well. They come to home games. Uh, they'll be really pumped for it if it happens. Yeah, this is a tough game to pick just because, you know, on paper this Riverview team isn't great. But their losses were to the following teams. Seminole, Buholz, Palmetto, Clearwater Academy International, Venice, which is a 10-point loss, mind you, and Cardinal Mooney. Um, I'm going to go with a flyer here. I'm going to take Riverview. Um, I, I just think that they've got advantages in, in certain matchups. I, I think that they can win this one. They've got a five-star corner in, in Charles Lester III who can kind of do a little bit of everything for that offense. Um, I'm going to take Riverview. Dan is also on the Rams to upset Gulf Coast. I think this could be a trap game for the Sharks, maybe overlooking Riverview here. Um, but we are on Riverview, maybe a gain for you. Um, we didn't even mention records at the beginning of this. I am 61-17 and 17 after a perfect 10-0 and 0 last week. Dustin is 56-22, and 22, and Dan is 57-21. and 21. Um, So definitely some couple weeks to make up that deficit, but uh, both of you guys went 8-2 and two last week. Pretty solid weeks for all of us. But shifting to the next uh, game, Lehigh at Palmetto. Definitely a tall order for the Lightning, but it seems like a couple weeks ago maybe we would have written them off in this game, but you know they seem to be competitive now. Yeah, they are definitely trending in the right direction. Um, and something that just stands out to me, um, the fact that they won their first playoff game of last season against Tampa Gaither, at least you know they have that experience under their belt. And... I, I think that's going to make me take the lightning here for the upset on the road. Really? Okay. Um, Dan went with, uh, he ended up going with Palmetto. Um, so we're splitting decisions here. I, I just don't know. Lehigh on the road hasn't been great. Um, they just, obviously they play better at home. You know, Lehigh, I believe, has yet to win a road game this year, if I'm not mistaken. No, they're 1-3. But still, you know, the, it's not a great record to have on the road. You know, that one win came against Riverdale. Um, so back-to-back shutouts, definitely in the right direction. Um, but Palmetto, you know, on the max perhaps rankings, which I think are the better indicators of where things stand. Um, at this point in time, they're ahead of Lehigh in those numbers. So I'm going to take Palmetto uh, to, un, I guess, you know, take down Lehigh and uh, move on in the playoffs and eliminate the Lightning. Next game up, shouldn't have much of a conversation here, if at all. Um, Naples hosting Braden River, the 1-verse-8 matchup in 3S Region 4. Dan is on Naples. I am on Naples. I am on Naples. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, we, don't, we didn't have to talk much about that one. Maybe debating the score, which we'll be releasing our pick on that game later this week on naplesnews.com slash sports and news-press.com slash sports. Uh, Going to 2S now, we're going to leave 3S for the end. Uh, Mulberry headed to Bishop Vero, another top seed in 2S here, Naples. Uh, First Baptist, which plays next week and, uh, in Bishop Vero. 
Dan is on Vero. I'm on Vero. Um, I, I, I just think, you know, th- this is going to be a huge game for Carter Smith. Maybe he gets to a record in this one, if not next week. But um, I have Vero big here. I'm also on Vero. I just do think there should be a little bit of caution because, you know, I, I remember last season they had a really good game against Mooney um, to end the regular season and then playoff. They, they were one and done, I believe. But uh, I, I still like their, their chances to win this. Yeah, definitely a game, you know, just, just keep an eye on it. But Vero has outscored numerous opponents this year. So we'll see what happens then. Uh, next up, Astero headed to DeSoto County in a I, one of the weirder matchups, I think, of the, of the pop of you know the games on this podcast. Um, Wildcats are eight and one, pretty solid season under Darren Nelson. Better record uh, compared to last year in terms of win loss. Um, going to a DeSoto team, six and three, district champion, um, with their three losses coming to Mariner, a 10-7 decision. Uh, Seminole Osceola 22-15 and Lemon Bay 34-22 loss. They haven't been a really a dominant team this year. A lot of one-score games, a lot of two-score games. No, no blowouts really. But can Estero pick up a road win here? Well, these two teams played last season. Estero came out on top 42-39. So I think we we know what to expect here. It's going to be close. It's going to be high scoring. But I have faith in Estero's just winning the, the how much they win the past two years so i i, I take them uh to, to win the playoff game yeah I, dan is also on a steroid i'm on a steroid too um I, I think the wildcats are going to escape here i originally was on desoto county but they haven't really been dominant in any of the games they played this year and that to me is kind of a red flag i, I think a can come in here with their tradition of winning over the past two seasons i believe it's 15 and 5 if i'm not mistaken um, I think they went seven and four last year, and now they're eight and one this year. Um, they they have a tradition of winning under Darren Nelson. The message that he gives them every week seems to resonate. So I'm going to take the Wildcats to score a first round playoff win and uh, move to the regional semifinals in Class Two S. Next game on the slate, we got three to go. We're, this is going to be three S games. We already picked Naples, Braden River. Uh, we're going to do Baron Collier at North Fort Myers here. Dustin, your thoughts on this one? Could the Red Knights, after rolling uh, through their schedule, be on upset alert? This is going to be a, a different matchup for them uh, based on the strength that Baron brings to the table. Um, so I, I think it could definitely be close, but I think uh, North, I just like the momentum that they have right now. Yeah, no, and that's a great point to bring up because I did see uh, Baron Collier earlier this year against a team that controls the clock in Benita Springs. And they held the ball for what I think it was less than a quarter or just over a quarter. They lost time of possession 3-1. to one. Um, And they seemed to make it work. A lot of the quick touchdown drives. And Barron seemed to uh, do well against Lee County teams. They had that 54-53 thriller two years ago against Fort Myers. Um, so definitely... Uh, a game to keep an eye on, I think, Friday night. But I'm going to lean north here. I just think that their defense has played too dang well um, over the past few weeks to lose this one. And Dan is also on North Fort Myers, so a consensus across the board there. Maybe some split decisions here. Port Charlotte hosting Fort Myers. This game will be played at Port Charlotte, um, despite uh, you know them not being able to play at home in the past few weeks because of debris and whatnot, uh, they'll be getting lights into uh, I guess 
uh, replace the ones that aren't working. But Dan's on Fort Myers. I'm on Port Charlotte. Dustin, you're going to have to tie break. Break the tie. I am on Port Charlotte. Uh, and I think it's mainly because I think if Fort Myers happened to be going to North Fort Myers, you know, where they lost that overtime game uh, in week one, and, you know, where they're familiar with the opponent and they have the motivation to really beat them, um, not that they won't be motivated against Port Charlotte, but it's just a different vibe against a less familiar opponent. So uh, Port Charlotte has just put up ridiculous numbers on offense this year yeah and this is gonna be a battle in the trenches as i kind of alluded to in a potential port charlotte uh naples game port charlotte a team that put up 49 against Verro. they're a team that likes to score they like to go fast um, they've got a solid offense and it's not just one dimensional either ed Guerrero is, is a guy who's done really well um, for them this year bryce eaton at quarterback um, serviceable not the not the elitist of the elite uh, per se um, but he's thrown for 1,200 yards. Uh, Port Charlotte has pounded teams on the ground for 17 over 1,700 with 26 touchdowns, 16 of those belonging to Ed Greer. And uh, Jamal, I believe it's Jamal Streeter, uh, looks like Jamari Streeter, uh, has done a really solid job uh, receiving the ball. He's over 600 yards um, with three touchdowns this year. He's averaging 90 yards a game, so definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, see if Fort Myers can defend them, but I'm going to take the Pirates at home. Uh, final game on the slate. I guess if we did have a game of the week, yeah, I think this one would warrant uh, consideration. Uh, Laley at Dunbar. Um, we all know what happened last year to the Tigers. Um, they're facing a red-hot Laley team here. Um, who you like? I like Dunbar. I still can't believe how they pulled out the game last Friday. And it wasn't them at their best. Their offense didn't have the best day. The defense gave up some yards, but I don't know. Just, just something about this team, I, I think they'll take care of business. Yeah, I, I like the Tigers as well. Um, Dan does too, so that'll be consensus there. I, that win showed me a lot. And I was very impressed with the way they came back, with how much time they had, or with how little time they had to do it. And uh, much respect for Sammy Brown for going for two in that situation, um, copying Brian Kelly um, this weekend. But um, yeah, I, I was or he very... was copying Sammy. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe Brian Kelly was copying Sammy Brown. He was inspired uh, by that play call. But um, yeah, yeah, I was very impressed with that win and how they did it. And being down two scores, it shows that the team's not going to quit. Where many teams would fold in and quit. You know, if Laley gets up seven nothing or fourteen nothing, they're not going to panic, and we we've seen that. Um, so definitely, uh, the Dunbar Tigers should be winning a playoff game this time around rather than being a first round exit. Um, give me the Tigers to end the hot Laley streak. So that wraps it up. Um, we've we got a couple more podcasts left for this season, season five. Uh, it's it's flown by, but. Go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports for our uh, predictions for each one of these games. You know, definitely going to be an exciting slate. I will be down at Naples. Dustin, you will be where on Friday night? I'll be at Dunbar. You will be at Dunbar lately. You'll be able to see this lately team that exactly. I've been looking at over the past few weeks. You'll, you should probably be pleasantly surprised if they actually have a good showing there. Um you know, I believe Nick Wilson will be at Baron Collier, North Fort Myers. And, yeah, I mean, very excited for the week. Uh, we got a lot a lot of content, a lot, a lot of stuff to cover, not just football. We've got state volleyball. We've got uh, winter sports kicking up. It's just uh, 
you know, a big time for us. And, you know, winter's almost here and the cool weather hopefully comes along with it. So that'll wrap it up for our wonderful producer, Amanda Inscore, uh, Dustin Levy. I'm Alex Martin. We will see you next week for Season 5, Episode 11. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.